live. And so, hello, and welcome to another episode of Loose Cannon. Uh, this week, we are going to kind of go back to where we uh, were, were paused at with the Clovis Bray journal, only this is the half of the journal. It was, uh, what was it? It was like the... Everyone got like a little piece of code or something, and then the community put it together. That yeah, that's right. <clears throat> I forgot about that. Yeah, Bungie Bungie does cool things like that. How how do you feel about them doing uh, a challenge like that, where it's like, uh, y- you know, you need a a good number of people to be like, here's my answer, and then some select few people actually are the ones who put it together <laughs> um <clears throat> yeah I'm, I, I guess i'm for it it's it's fine you know as long as it doesn't take anything away from the game i mean the the cool thing about it is that you have um, a collective participation mm-hmm. amongst all the players and fans so yeah that's pretty cool uh, i mean i get it kind of can promote a little bit of el- elitism because yeah. there are going to be people that, you know, do this and that's all they live for. And mm-hmm. so they're going to be the ones that everybody caters to. But at the same time, you've kind of got to go. You kind of got to go with that, you know. I mean, that that is the good thing about the community, I, I will say. The community, no one's being like an elitist being like, yeah, this is only happening because of me. You know, if it wasn't for right. me, no one would have this entry. They're not like that at all. It's there are very dedicated, helpful people who are like, I can compile this information and it will be a service to the community. And and when they do, they're like, this was done because of everyone that was involved. But me personally, I wish it was something that could be more involved because uh, and there are things that are more involved where it's like there's a secret emblem like uh in shadow keep did you get the shadow keep collector's edition yeah i did and so like the uh the crypto lift i have it on my shelf right over there you know it had that the puzzle where you had to line it up perfectly with a, a series of runes and you didn't know what the runes were if you didn't actually look into your your collector's edition and it was like you line them up and the the tricky thing was you had to line them up perfectly perfectly air quotes because they actually had to be misaligned a little bit just to like get it to actually slide out properly. Yeah. yeah. And inside was an <laughs> emblem code. And that was awesome. It's like, Oh my God, I figured this out. But for the bigger things, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure how we feel about it because part of me is like, yeah, I mean, that's, it's really cool that it's this big event, but it's also just like, I don't understand what's happening. I'm just going to wait for it to be figured out. Right. You know, and that's, that's one of those things that, that kind of makes me, you know, say that it could sometimes promote elitism is because mm-hmm. not necessarily the big guys, you know, that I'm worried about, but yeah, there, there are a lot of people out there that <laughs> they don't believe in sharing knowledge, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you can't do anything about that. People are like that in all walks of life. You're going to encounter that everywhere you go. And actually, Um, uh, just really quick, sorry to cut you off. That is actually a theme in what we're talking about today. So that's (laughs) that's oddly fitting that we're talking about this now. Yeah. Yeah. So I I mean, I'm all for sharing as much knowledge as possible. You know, I, I don't I don't think that I don't think that anybody gets more powerful by hanging on to knowledge. I mean, you obviously 
are you know promoting your your own strength in yourself mm -hmm. as a person by sharing your knowledge and gaining more knowledge i mean i think that's the ultimate goal in life is to you know it's i at right it's just mm -hmm. you want to the the end result <laughs> justifies the means from last episode mm -hmm. so the idea that that if you've learned something you've got to keep it a secret is kind of um it is, I've seen it a lot, and uh, what I would la what I'd rather see is like what you were saying is when they do ARGs or when they do uh, player engagements like this, I would like to see them um, promote more interaction amongst mm -hmm. the people. So, like in more involvement. So maybe not necessarily every you have to exclusively give your piece in order for the ARG to progress or for that puzzle to progress. But maybe there's a little bit something more special, like that emblem that you mm -hmm. get uh, that's unique to you, that, yeah. it, that shows your unique involvement with it, you know? It's really, it's, it's a really tricky thing to, to do perfectly, because no matter what you do, either it's going to be just so immediately easy, because every individual person can do it, and you have one really smart person who does it within a minute, and uh -huh. everyone's just like okay i'm just gonna do exactly what they did or it's yeah. so extensive that 99 percent of the people are just like here's four numbers that i have and yeah one percent is like okay we're compiling this thank you for the information and that's cool but they've been doing it a lot yeah and that's a, and the perfect example of that is when we got um Kurt, curse of osiris and there was the <laughs> the uh, valkyrie staff that was hidden out in a forest in new york or whatever oh, it was yeah yeah, the, and uh, uh, so you know, one one guy gets it, and then everybody gets a token. But then, about twenty tokens later, they find out the whole thing was shut down because they weren't even supposed to put that out in the forest or whatever. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so I I'm not surprised that they didn't like get bungee approval to do that. I'm not surprised about that, but I'm surprised that it was like shut down <laughs> to hear who that. Vicarious that visions. Vicarious visions. I mean, was the one that 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 if i'm not mistaken was the one that kind of made that happen yeah and that was and then, that was uh warmind not curse of osiris yeah i'm for, sorry for warmind. who's like oh my god i never heard about this yeah warmind that was warmind mm -hmm. yeah it was because it was the javelin okay. the the yeah, it was a javelin or you said it was valkyrie is that what it's actually called is it called a valkyrie javelin or something yeah it's the valkyrie javelin oh, well i just remember because when you pick it up you have to Stand on the plate, and then it's the Valkyrie of whatever X, or maybe that's like the yeah. name javelin the name for it, but it's called the yeah. javelin. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually. It's funny that you bring it up. I'm actually um, kind of upset with myself about that because uh, when that was figured out, when when it got down to the coordinates, I saw it very early on. I saw like when it was posted, like these are coordinates, and I put it in the coordinates, and I'm like, I'm four hours from there and I just <laughs> so started, you could have done it yeah. i just started a new oh, job and i was like damn. i just started a new job i'm still on a 90-day probationary period really shouldn't call out should i call out though <laughs> and i was like debating i was like why would they do real world coordinates to a place that's not even in the game like what would that mean and i was there was like the this this voice inside of me that i need to listen to more who was like go do it yeah, just go. It would have been so cool. I'd have it right right over here. Just yeah. be like right on my wall, you know? 
Well, the one person did it, and yeah. they went out there. It was like I didn't think it was real because what it, what is up with it when people find leaks or find like exclusive things that they're the people who haven't upgraded a cell phone since two thousand four. <laughs> like, why is it always them? We have phones uh, that can zoom like a hundred meters with I perfect know, clarity I now, know. and it's always the people that are still like, "I like my razor." Like, yeah. <laughs> you're not taking this away from me. Oh, uh, that's hilarious! Yeah, maybe they have like devoted all of their energy into the most high tech, you know, home mm-hmm. system or whatever yeah. PC, and then like their phone is just a brick. Their phone, they just don't give a crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's where they Oh, yeah. Yeah. They'll take a picture with like a potato. <laughs> but they had to solve some elaborate, you know. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I didn't actually have a camera with me, but I did draw a picture. If that's good enough, <laughs> will you believe me? Because I saw yeah. the pictures and it was like they were so close up and it was so grainy. I was like, that's nothing. Like, that's right. And so thing. that's the other thing to that is people don't believe it is immediately yeah. when you see it, no one wants to believe it because they're like, oh, that's some grainy photo somebody photoshopped and made it up. There's no way. I remember, I think you and I were first questioning it when we first saw it. And I was yeah, like, there's probably. no way that's real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember uh, just the one last derailment before we we actually get on with the show. I remember back, <laughs> uh, speaking of Osiris, back in House of Wolves, when the first week of trials happened, and people in the Bnet forums were going, "I just went flawless in trials. I'm going to Mercury." And I saw like the first post about it. I'm like, "Yeah, fuck off, dude. That's not a fucking thing." And I was like <laughs> annoyed that someone had the gall to lie like that, yeah. like that they could just like say, "I just went flawless in trials. I'm going to a planet that no one's ever gotten to go to before." And I'm like, "No, you fucking don't. Like that's not a yeah. thing. Get out of here." And then I saw another one, and I'm like, "This is a dumb joke. Why is everyone?" And then I saw like a video, and I'm like, "Oh crap!" Like. <laughs> like i was just yeah completely yeah bungie bungie in this game and they yeah. love they love to mess with you so yeah i mean i'm all for it and and over the years it's kind of progressed to this state that you know we kind of expect it every time something new comes out yeah and, and um, <laughs> that's the fault of the community in my opinion yeah we shouldn't be expecting secrets and i mean secrets sure but we shouldn't be expecting like secrets like that we shouldn't be expecting the new place to go you know it's like what like going into this season what did i expect i expected the secrets of learning about the cabal learning about uh you know interesting aspects of that you know secrets and activities and like i don't know like i what i didn't expect was the glycon what I what I didn't expect was such an impressive mission, and I'm so happy to have that, and not be disappointed by not having that. If that were to be the case, yeah, no, that's that's a good that's a good point. I mean, I guess we kind of knew that the it, it existed, but we didn't know it existed at that kind of level. I mean, I didn't know it existed until it was there. I mean, like we I saw was the, of, we saw was the trailer, the, the image. The, we didn't know what yeah. it meant though. I thought it was going to be a, a just a cabal ship, and I thought it was going to be, you know, de- I guess it kind of was, but I mean, I thought it was just going to be devoted to Callus, all yeah. devoted to Callus. But I, I really like. I'm that glad it turned out to be what it is. I mean, the whole, the whole, um, what do you call it? The, the moss infection, the green, infection. Uh, the lichen, 
That's yeah, that's what like I call because there's so many different um, terms that they've used for it. They're they're like it's it's lichen, it's fungus, it's flora, it's yeah, it's sarcophilus growth, and I'm like lichen. That's yeah. it. I'm using that yeah. one, and I'm not switching up the terminology. I'm putting my foot down go. on that just to keep it consistent. So I'm 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 really excited to see what goes on with that because it's right there under our nose and it's, mm-hmm. it's in everything that's in the game and and I mean there's like there's a there's <laughs> they could definitely go uh they could go a particular road that would make that whole sto- whole thing unravel mm-hmm. if they wanted to so I'm hoping that happens absolutely so but yeah uh, ARGs I love it. More community involvement is even better. And I would like for people to have something specifically unique to them in the game. I think that that's the only thing that is lacking. I think everybody has access to, um, you know, these great unique rewards, uh, doing different things. But something that is specific to one particular player would be cool. And, And whether that be just, you know, a number or a digit or whatever that's added to your emblem. Yeah. Kind of cool. I mean, they do that. They they do have like trackers, like in uh, season of dawn. You know, all the fractaline that you donated, you have a tracker for that. And they're like, I have people in my clan that donated like a million or a billion, like some obscurely high number. And they're like, this is all I'm ever going to wear because I want people to see this giant number on my emblem. And be <laughs> like, what the hell did you do? Yeah, that's funny. Okay, uh, do you want to talk about the lore card this week? Oh, yeah, yeah, let's awesome. do that. Put that on the screen. <clears throat> Pull it up here. Yeah, so I, I switched it up a little bit. Um, so now when you do, when you, if you're looking for lore cards online out there on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, you'll find them at Destiny Armory. So it's Armory, at Armory Defined. Mm-hmm. And that's on Twitter. And so they'll be there every Thursday from now on, as well as, you know, weekly posts about weapons. But So that's going to be the new home, and that, that will help consolidate it. So if you're looking at past lore cards, you'll be able to find them much easier instead of having to sift through all my nonsense and garbling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping it professional. Yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> this week's lore card was on a shotgun that came out with the with Destiny 2. Oh yeah, it <laughs> like, did, huh? It came out when Destiny 2 came out. And why? Because it just recently got a lore entry. Yep. That just happened. So that's really cool that they they did that. So a lot of items they went back and they added, well I say a lot, a few items they went back yeah. and they added lore entries to that were old in the game. Uh, and so this was one of them. And ironically, or if that's the thing, it's called Retrofuturism. So this one is <clears throat> Retrofuture. Retrofuturism is the future as seen from the past and the past as seen from the future. It's a movement that visualizes and the influence and depictions of the future that was produced in a past era. A science bent on anticipating what will come. Uh, so what does that mean? So basically, retrofuturism is defined as a movement in the creative arts, showing the influence and depictions of a future produced uh, in an earlier era. So like kind of looking back on the 50s, 
and seeing how they thought the future would have ended up. Like if you were from the 50s and you thought, well, in the future we'll all have flying cars, you did a bunch of art, you made a bunch of pictures, and then in the future you look back on it and go, wow, that was silly. (laughs) Or, you know, you think, oh, wow, that was pretty cool, right? Yeah. So, um, it it's uh the word is a blend of an old fashioned retro styles, you know, the word retro and futuristic technology. So what I found, which was pretty cool was retro futurism is a look or a theme, which combines past and future aesthetics. Retro futurism appears in books, movies, comics, and art that imagine the future based on a time period they were produced. And what I didn't know is, um, that retrofuturism has now become like the umbrella term for all of the different subgenres. And this didn't really happen until uh, I would say over the last decade that it really kind of became what it is now. And so like you think back to all the different arts of, you know, depictions like a, what's a really good one. Like for instance, like flying like, cars, flying you know, cars. that I said that, before. That's immediately yeah. what I think of when I think of people who thought what the future would be. You know, that's, yeah. that's probably the best. Yeah. So if you think about um, old advertisements and old magazines, you think about the art that was on the cover of those, or you think about old cars that had really elaborate wings down the side. This past era really paid attention to what they thought the future would be. So it was really kind of selling the idea of the future. Like right now we do it too, but maybe not as fantastically as they did back in the day, which kind of, I wish they would do more of that now. But anyway, nostalgia, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So the subgenres of retrofuturism is, and this is cool, steampunk, you know, that kind of is the Victorian era. I love diesel punk. Yeah, isn't it cool? A lot of people really get into it too, and there's like whole groups of people that just devote their lives to living steampunk. There's just something about uh, like machinery that you look at and be like, "That shouldn't work," but it it still does. <laughs> like that, yeah. I just love that when it's like, look at these yeah, like gears, a bunch of gears and, like, and cogs, yeah, and brass, like, and like a wild wild west, the giant yeah. spider. It's like that shouldn't work, but I love it. <laughs> Uh, another one is diesel punk. Um, so this is the aesthetic of like World War One and World War Two, and so it kind of has that gritty tank, uh, armored car, you know, that kind of stuff from from that era. And then uh, some of the ones that that popped out at me that I've seen, and, and actually one artist that I really love uh, does this, but deco punk. Uh, Adam Punk, and you know, they love to put punk against these things, so it's like mm. I don't know why, but <laughs> I'm all for it. Because it goes against the norm, you're a punk, yeah. There you go, yeah. Punk, it's the do it yourself, anti establishment, blah blah blah. So, uh, Deco Punk and Adam Punk, you know, those are kind of like your uh, Deco Punk is really cool because it has this like upscale, you know, the dapper era. Uh, with like tuxedos and you know beautiful elaborate marble statues that are 20 feet tall that kind of okay so it it is like art deco yes exactly okay and so it it's kind of bringing that but now right 
Mm-hmm. And then uh, Adam Punk is, is the, you know, the 50s, the atomic era. You see a lot of that, I guess, like Fallout, stuff like that. Um, Raygun Gothic. <laughs> that was crazy. Uh, th- it's like this blend of Art Deco and Streamline. So when you think of Streamline, you think of um, like the the train that's, that's stretched out really far with the like fast movement stylization where it's very long and silvery aluminum shiny metal with i don't know a statue it looks like it's flying on the front of the vehicle things like that so mm-hmm. uh, but that blends that with uh art deco <laughs> and so like a lot of makeup stuff like that goes with it too and then of course cyberpunk and so all of these are are considered subgenres of retrofuturism and the reason why it's more popular today is because we have this really extensive back catalog of what we thought the future was going to be like and really playing to that. So really maybe the latter part of the 1800s is when people started thinking about the future, right? You have the industrial revolution, you have everybody wanting to know what's the future going to be like? Are we going to have flying cars? Are we going to all be living in the sky and stuff like that? And so. Now we have over a hundred years of all this art and beautiful aesthetic to look back on and, 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 um, recycle. <laughs> mm. So anyway, retrofuturism originates, uh, for two overlapping trends, one directly inspired by imagining the future and the other blends, uh, past retro appeal. Uh, it attempted to predict the future either in a serious projection or in what we had as far as existing technology, they pull from science and invention uh, or sci-fi novels and story. However, retro brings the inverse starting with the retro appeal of the old styles aesthetics. Um, so these two blend the past and the present and the future elements to create retrofusion. But the trends themselves don't technically refer to a specific time and they can be seen as causing a feedback loop of nostalgia that recalls a lost future that never happened. So it, it's it's funny that they would use this particular weapon to put a Laurentry on mm-hmm. because the flavor text on this item, which I thought was funny, uh, it says, they were so optimistic about us. Mm. So it's funny to think that in Destiny 2, when we first got the game, uh, if you think about that, flavor text now versus when you first got the weapon and you reflect on it and you think about yourself (laughs) and the whole game as a a whole. That's a good point. How this, how this comes back to, uh, to, to be like, uh, you know, back, back in the early destiny days, it was like, we are the light. We're going to stop the darkness. So darkness is evil. They were so optimistic about us. Now we're using stasis. Uh huh. (laughs) Yeah. I was on the bench. Whoever wrote that one did it on purpose. That's a good one. And uh, one thing I'd like to say that retrofuturism is kind of a thing that Destiny has actually really um, adopted. And they they said they said so without not in so many words though. In um, I believe it was the Cosmodrome ride along way back in Destiny One, where they were like, yeah, they were going over. So you know when the divide. So when you're on the right side of the map on the divide, you have that, that tank and it's all like rusted out. 
And yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't look like a futuristic tank. It looks just like a regular tank. And they kind of yeah. said how uh, the Golden Age was such rapid growth that even though we had all these new future things, the past was still just kind of there. And it was like inf- so heavily influencing how things would look. So it was like... Yeah. We, we, they got to say, they got to say what the future will be from the past, but because they were so heavily influenced by the past, they were almost restricted by it. So instead of flying cars or flying tanks, they're like, yeah, we'll have tanks and they look just like our old tanks, a little <laughs> bit different, <laughs> like because yeah. they, they actually had the ability to do it, but they were just kind of restricting themselves. Yeah. That's really cool because you think about how fast, um, things progressed for for people humanity when when the traveler came the tech the advancement was so rapid so fast mm-hmm. that it you had to hurry up <laughs> yeah and use what this new stuff you have but use it with the old stuff you already have mm-hmm. like because this rush to advancement if you spend all your time designing a new f- future aesthetic you're falling behind you know right Every, everyone's already passed they have things in production and you're you're working on what it's going to look like like that's not going to make you money and that's, that's you know that's funny that's funny because early on they they decided to peg these um weapon foundries with specific aesthetics that mm-hmm. tied into their whole philosophies which i really thought was cool you know um like for instance the one that brings brings to my attention right off the bat is suros mm-hmm. who is all about elegance and wanting their weapons to mm-hmm. just have a beauty of, attached to them and then you think about the opposite of that which is hockey which is just kind of using the old school designs, yep. you know, rails, attachments like we have now almost. And then Amalon is like, how can we completely redefine what the weapons are? Yeah. Oh, man. And yeah, they're they're messing with stuff they're not really supposed to <laughs> or is dangerous, I guess. So there's that. And then they gave us trace white rifles. That's pretty yeah. Cool. Liquid ammo and all kinds of stuff. Mm. And so uh, we actually wanted to talk about Retrofuturist specifically because of this lore entry. Have you uh, finished your lore card before I go on to this? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, So this lore entry just came out like two weeks ago. I guess it was supposed to come out at the start of the season, but they had an issue with it. So it's on the screen. I'll just read it really quick. I watched, I, I'm sorry. I watched them frolic blithely beneath the oblivious god. I am among those assembled to witness their training. They wish to become stronger than the Cabal, than Zivorath, than the Hive. Their ignorance of their true enemy is overwhelming. They cannot even put a name to it. I am choked with rancid ambrosia. Two men now remain in the artificial battleground. Their movements are simplistic. One charges blindly ahead, the other rolls to the side, fires a shotgun, and his opponent falls. The victor turns to the crowd and removes his helmet. Oily fluids bead on his fle- bead on the flesh on his f- of his face. He bears teeth that squirm with microbial life. His he throws his arms upward in jubilation, and the masses cheer. I do not join them. This form affords me some dignities. Behind the creature, revealing reveling in the minor triumph, sacrilege, a perfect being materializes. It gathers meat and offal. From is it awful or awful? I think it's awful. Oh, awful from the ground and reassembles it. I an unfathomable, unfathomable gift is given. The crowd has seen this miracle countless times. It has lost all meaning to them. They see it as a resource. I look up to the blank white face. 
I feel its light on my cheeks. It no longer burns me. Each revival is a choice. I know what to do. And so the narrator of this entry is kind of unlike one that we've ever seen, I guess. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. So who, who, what, who or what do you think is speaking here? Man, I don't know. That one, this one is this one is perplexing for me. I'm wondering if they're <laughs> if yeah. we're gonna get something extra. So when when I first read this, uh, I see the line, "I do not join them." This form affords me some dignities, and I think, okay, so the only real shapeshifters we know are the Ahamkara. So at first, I thought maybe this is an Ahamkara, uh, but there are other things it talks about where it says. They wish to become stronger than the Cabal, than Zivu Arath, than the Hive. So to specify the than the Hive kind of sounds like it's a Hive entity, but that means it's a Hive entity that is in the city somehow. And the Hive entity kind of makes sense because behind the creature reveling in minor triumph, sacrilege, a perfect being materializes. That's something that the Hive believe. Necromancy is is wrong. You're not supposed to bring back the dead. If you die, you die. The end. And so that sounds very Hive. And then I look up into the blank white face. I feel it's light on my cheeks. It no longer burns me, implying that it at one point did burn. And And then the new form kind of helped him from burning. And so yeah. I wonder what the form is that allows them the, the dignities not to cheer when a guardian kills another guardian in the crucible. And in the Ishtar discord, I've seen people suggest maybe it was a red Jack, which feels fitting. Um, well, it is a crucible weapon. Yeah, as well. I mean, this whole thing is taking place in the crucible. That's why people are watching it and cheering it when one guardian kills another. Uh, yeah. So a red jack being on standby observing this makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. It just, I'm not. But in like sure. a new form, it's almost like the it's almost like the red jack was taken over by something, some other entity. Well, like it would a, it would be some other entity pretending to be a, a red jack. Yeah, and so they like say, they. Uh, where the hell is it? The the line about not even knowing who their true enemy is. So like they they. Huh. Uh, their ignorance of their true enemy is overwhelming. They cannot even put a name to it. So is that to say the darkness? Because we don't actually put a name to the darkness. That's just kind of a term that we use. True. So like the darkness is taking over a frame. Well, I mean, that's, in my opinion, that says that it can't be the darkness because it wouldn't, it it wouldn't be talking about itself that way. They couldn't put a name to it as, as, as opposed to they can't put a name to me. That would imply it is the darkness masquerading or taking over a frame. Yeah. Which is something well, that the darkness. Remember, you know what, do. you know, what's funny about that is remember when Callus hijacked, uh, what those frames. Yeah. He had two frames. Yeah. Hmm. But why would a frame ever be hurt by the light? 
by being close to the Traveler. Being close to the Traveler and hurting is a hive thing, but part of me, I just can't shake the feeling that it's it's something to do with like Ahamkara specifically because it. But the the more I read it, the more I, I am seeing the the side of the argument that it's a hive because Savathun has done that. She's infiltrated communities with like stand-in copies of people, you know. Yeah. So this could absolutely be like a Sabathun's hive in the in the form of a red jack just walking around observing guardians and seeing the sacrilege. Because I'd imagine if it was uh, a Zivu hive, even if Zivu could do that, they would be like excited at the crucible. This one seems indifferent. Right. Like it's just beyond or it's beyond there. Mm-hmm. Oh. I like the idea of being an Ahamkara. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so do I. But the more I the more I look at it, the more I think it must be hive. That's creepy though, to think yeah. that a hive could be inside of a red jack or take over a red jack temporarily or, or whatever. Well, I, I don't think it's taking over. I think it's just appearing as just like putting on a cloak. That yeah. makes him look like a red jack or something. Yeah. So like when you look at it, you don't see an acolyte. You see a red jack, but it is an acolyte. Some kind of <clears> trickery <throat> of the mind. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have a lot to cover on this episode, and I really wanted to do it in one. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to be able to do it in one. So let's, <laughs> let's try to just get through as much of this as we can and then just do it in two. And uh, we can start moving on into like the, the meaty lore books. Uh, so this is, as we were talking about earlier, this is the um, ARG discovered lore that Bungie has officially put out as well. So it is corrected of any misspellings and, and stuff like that. Ishtar has it on the website. Uh, it is uh, Clovis Bray's uh, missing logbook. And this is the second half of the collector's edition logbook where the 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 end of it had like three pages, but it's, it's clearly more than three pages, ripped away. And so this right. is the continuation of Clovis. Uh, he... To kind of recap, he had just successfully begun the creation of Exos. He's using the Alkahest, which is um, Vex Mind Fluid passed through uh, Clarity, which should, in my opinion, be considered to be Stasis. He's passing it through Stasis Crystals, kind of like a luge, like an ice luge. And through that, he's rewriting what the Vex Mind Fluid is as what he calls Alkahest, allowing Exos to exist, but they still do have issues, and he's kind of working out the issues on these, but it's the biggest advancement in Exos he's had. Uh, but, obviously, other things begin to go wrong. Yeah, boy, do they ever. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, just to kind of like go through this uh, in the first entry, uh, it's a note on the forge star, which is where the Vex come from. He, he says due to the absence of absence of heavy elements worth stealing and the abundance of some compounds for growth, they never developed pred- predation. Why bother? Plenty to go around. 
And so we've we've had this idea that the Vex aren't acting out of malice for a while. That that what they do, they're not doing it because they hate us or because they want us dead. They're just doing it because it's what they do. They don't feel this like right. War they don't stuff. have the yeah. They don't have those uh, mm-hmm. internal structures in place to allow them to feel <laughs> really anything. Um, yeah. So they're kind of a, a just a mind. not. I don't want to say mindless because they have a mind, but they're, they're just like automaton mm-hmm. that pro- just pro- it just proceeds forward. And so, speaking of the Vex mind, for a long time we've been under the impression that all Vex are controlled by a singular entity, which would imply that if we were to destroy that singular entity, then all the Vex would cease to exist. But Clovis uh, denies that. <clears throat> With his own observances, he he says, It is not strictly correct to call the Vex a group mind. Rather, they are one master pattern spread across many elements, fractual, fractally self-similar. So, it's 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 kind of like that. They, they, they never had a reason to war with each other. Humans look at resources and they're like, we, we need to have these resources and you can't have these resources. The Vex said, we need to create our resources together because of the harsh world that they lived on, or they're all going to die. And because of that, they basically accepted a, a master pattern, a master pattern, and all the Vex have accepted it. And they're all moving towards that master pattern. Master pattern. Which it's kind of like a more efficient hive mentality, actually. Cause well, hive... it's more, a lot like the winnower and the gardener how do you mean well i just think about how they <clears throat> play the game and there's a pattern set in play and it's like the flower game it's like mm-hmm. the um it just it just makes me think that all of our enemies are kind of and us are kind of you know yeah half, we're, we're still half playing the game. yeah yeah we're just all participants in the game yeah. whether we want to or not we had to we had to just accept this in- inevitability. And, and that's um, their version. Yeah. And so the, the, this, just to reiterate, this is all like Clovis's notes on observing the, the Ford star, observing the Vex in their, in their home planet and everything, seeing, trying to deduce how they evolved. And so he goes on to say, their cellular nature provides an easy analogy for the quanta of matter, energy, space, and time. Which is really interesting because at this point in time, Clovis shouldn't understand that the, the Vex are time-traveling robots. Uh-huh. And so he, he's saying that they should easily understand how to manipulate time, but without actually saying they can time-travel. So it's, it's, it's kind of impressive, as much as I'm not a fan of Clovis anymore. Uh, it's kind of impressive that he was so on the no- so accurate about it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, there's some funny parallels with with uh, Clovis too, mm-hmm. that, like later on. But he, um, yeah, so much, so much of what he was doing was so in tune with what, like, <laughs> it's like that saying he was so ahead of his time. <laughs> mm. He was he was equally ahead and behind his time. He, he, <laughs> yeah, like he was he, blinded by his own ambition. He couldn't yeah. see that he was ahead of his own time. Yeah, he really was. I think that's the best way to say it. He was blinded by his own ambition because if 
he made these like terrible choices that he was like, it's all, it's all going to be worth it in the end. And it's like, no, it's not. That's horrible. Oh my God. If you had only devoted your energy and time to something else, we could have, I don't know. And, uh, we could have maybe helped do something better. We got exos. Yeah. Well, we got the exo. My favorite part of the game, or one of the favorite part of the games. Uh, so one of the uh, last things he he says here about the the Vex is that uh, he says what I am saying is the Vex are immortal. The Vex have no children. They are the ancestors and the descendants of themselves. First mother, first children, all at once, and so. In Destiny 2, we don't really have... Well, actually, now we have the different scene in the Vex, but in Destiny 1, it was much more uh, noticeable because, like, on each planet, they would have different Vex. Each area, they'd have different Vex. So we had the Precursors, the Descendants, the Soul Collective, the Soul Divisive, the Soul Progeny, the Hezen Corrective, the Hezen Protective, the Aphix Invasive, and the Virgo Prohibition. And so each, each group all went for the Master Plan, Master Pattern. But each group did it differently. So, for example, the Hezen uh, Protective, uh, they were found on Venus, and uh, they were they were like guarding things. Whereas there's Hezen Corrective, which is trying to convert Venus. And so, they each had their own role toward the mastering pattern of converting everything. And uh, it was the soul divisive. And this is this is one of the most interesting uh, parts about it, because in season of the Undying last year, we 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 saw how we learned that the rest of the Vex are kind of like Ugh, on the soul divisive. They're like, I don't yeah. know what you're doing, which is weird. <laughs> if they're all sharing one mind, who how are they going to be like? I don't like that. But they are, right. and so the soul divisive are looked at like that because they are the ones that were created to worship the black heart because they learned from the hive that worshiping darkness could grant power, and so um, they are the ones that are in the black garden. Yeah, when you when you enter the black garden and and they're all kneeling with moss grown mm-hmm. all over them and they're like praying to the statues almost in a prayer stance uh, to the statues. And then the statues convert into Vex when you fight Mm. them, which I thought was pretty cool because if you think back to um, the darkness, the heart of the darkness, is that what Mm -hmm. that was called? It was called the heart of the heart. Yeah. The black heart. And And so it was, everyone had their own opinions on what it actually was. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Everybody did. And, and you think about like the, the big black morphing, orb in the sky that you're shooting at the end and it just turns into a bunch of little red flecks that kind of float around um what we know about the vex is they learned this idea of worship from the hive Mm -hmm. and so that it's almost like a faction of the vex that kind of separated their theology Mm -hmm. from what all the other vex do and so the other vex are kind of like it's almost like a backward heresy for them. <laughs> mm. it, it's like, oh, I can't believe you're doing this, you know, it, but 
It's funny that you don't see that Vex really kind of like with the Fallen. There's different ideologies and there's some infighting and faction. Hmm. But with the Vex, you and don't really hive. see that. Yeah, and in the Hive. Yeah, and in the Cabal. <laughs> yeah, every, every other and race. now in the Cabal. Yeah, yeah. every <laughs> other race is all like civil wars within themselves. But the Vex, even when there are the sole divisive that make them make other Vex uncomfortable, they're just like, well, I guess if it's for the master pattern, I just don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> they it's amazing it they can work together even with that, even with that hard coding being different. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. So the next entry is entry 10, which is talking about uh, some of the failings of Exo early on Exo that Clovis had. And so this is where he starts to refine uh, the things that are needed. So Alcahest isn't the end all be all solution. He still needs to do other things to fix it, to make, to make an Exo work. And early on in the century, we actually have uh, Maya Sundaresh. Uh, I'm just going to use air quotes on her for now because we're we're going to find out exactly what the whole deal with her was in this in this reading. Uh, she says uh, to to kind of jump in the middle. She said, "That's your son's quote." She snapped. You know, I've seen the video of his final days. That naked white exo, just paramuscle and soft membrane writhing in its cradle. When you were done with him, he looked like nothing more than a slug, Clovis, a twisted, limbless giblet. Did you support and nurture him while you tortured him to death? Death, which is freaking brutal. Yeah, that is brutal. That's like shoving your own. You know, excuse me, but that's like shoving your own shit in your face. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this mess you made. Yeah, this this Maya Sundaresh is messed up. Like she is yeah. vicious, and it just doesn't fit any of the other Mayas that we saw before. Where it was like, yeah, like they're stubborn and they're determined, but they aren't like horrible humans. <laughs> <laughs> Just bringing yeah. up the worst thing someone's ever done, and I mean, Clovis deserves it, but still. Just hit him over the head with it, just with like strict, just like I don't give a crap about you. Yeah, attitude. That's almost what that feels is like. I really just have such disdain for you. Yeah, complete lack of of uh, empathy. Yeah. <laughs> and so the issue with the exos that she is chastising him about is that they they he finds out that they did not suffer human weakness. They never needed to eat, drink, breathe, sleep. Uh, Mike Turate, whatever that is, or Dream. And apparently that was the problem because Exos do need to do all those things. And Cade kind of made a, uh, a joke about that where he was like, oh, that makes me sick to my stomach and I don't even have one. But it's like, you still have something that processes food. Yeah. <laughs> you need to have that. Even if it's just like a food, literally like a, a garbage disposal that just grinds it up and burns it. Like there's something in your body that handles that. It's a construct of the mind, like for exos, right? So they have to, they have to believe that they're in a body that's attached to their mind. Well, yeah, they have to, they have to have the feelings of hunger because if they don't have the feelings of hunger, the feelings of a heartbeat, of breathing, of needing air, and all that stuff, it convinces their mind that they're not getting it, that they that they've already starved to death, that they've already suffocated, etc. But if you have the feeling of hunger, then you need to have the feeling of uh, 
eating. You know, you need to yeah. have, even if it's just like plugging in a USB and it's like, this is eating to them, but that would probably still, <laughs> that would probably still mess with the mind uh, to the point that's like, that's not eating. That's not how eating is done. Yeah. And it would hey, uh, did you ever watch, did you ever watch an old, sorry. Did you ever watch an old, uh, movie called uh, the last unicorn no i have not okay so if you haven't it's fine whatever you could probably just find this particular snippet but there's a perfect example of this mm-hmm. in in the movie it, it's a it's a classic movie the art was beautiful it's all hand-drawn and painted because it's back in the day it's old and i'm old and so that's why i'm thinking about it right now <laughs> but there's this one particular scene and there's a gatekeeper and he's a skeleton and he's like above the archway of the next room. And in order for you to pass, he has to allow you to pass. Mm-hmm. And all he wants is wine. And um, <laughs> it's funny because he's a skeleton, right? He has mm-hmm. no body, has nothing, whatever. But there's an empty bottle of wine. And so they give the empty bottle of wine to him. And he is just all about it. He loves it. He's drinking it. And he's like, this is the best thing ever. And he's getting drunk off of the wine. It's just hilarious to think. But it's all of that memory that he had when he was alive. And he's like doomed to be the skeleton forever. Who knows the backstory behind him. But he's just a character in the thing. Mm-hmm. So, but it's so great. It's just so great because he's like drinking the bottle of wine. And so I think about like Cade eating ramen somewhere it's probably an empty bowl and he's got like chopsticks and he's just like yeah, shoveling maybe. it in his face. <laughs> maybe that is actually how it, I mean, we know he's drank before, but I mean, what the hell was he drinking? Oh, Hey, yeah, look at that. yeah. <laughs> Your tears. <laughs> my tears are, uh, iridescent green. Oh my God. Was he drinking dude? <laughs> Uh, no, but, uh, I have this idea that maybe he was drinking, uh, some sort of wannabe, uh, what is the drink? The green drink that's uh, worms yeah, that's, that's what I just said. You're, you're thinking of, uh, absinthe. Yeah. Uh, absinthe. What I'm saying is that he was d- drinking dude by three olives. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead, go ahead and look oh, that no. up. That's exactly what Kate oh, was fucking no. drinking. Ugh. Never have that. That sounds disgusting. But yeah, maybe maybe they don't actually eat. Maybe they just need to have the simulation of eating, and that's actually good enough. Sure. That's kind of probably what I think. I mean, it's just like they just do the activity, and they go to that part of their mind where they think they're doing the thing. You think I mean, that they... You think that they have to use the restroom, though, right? Like, so do they have to go sit somewhere for a few minutes? <laughs> And that's what I mean. I feel like there actually has to be something like an actual process being done. It it can't just be drinking an empty bottle of wine and your mind just fills in the gaps. Yeah. I feel like there needs to be something. actual something happening. Huh. Uh, but so exos, as we know, have uh, mind wipes. And we learn here that they actually started just because Clovis is a sociopath. He he writes, I am much more interested in the surprising success of memory wipes. I became so tired of answering the questions asked by new exos. What had happened to their scanning clinic? How long had it been? Would I let them see their families? That I began introducing retrograde amnesia before spin up. Or before spin up. Okay, yeah. They just used a a weird hyphen. 
Interestingly, this seems to have improved the resilience against Exo Mind Rejection. He just wanted them to shut up, and he took their memories away. And then he's like, oh, it worked? <laughs> cool. Clovis, Clovis deserves everything that he, that he, he goes, like all the trauma that he goes through in this, he deserves. Yeah. Ugh. And, uh, so recently I was talking about on Twitter, the possibility that, so we know that Rasputin is being uploaded into an exo body. So flash backwards all the way to the golden age. We had the Siddhartha Golem, which was Rasputin in an exo body. And so I have to ask, is Siddhartha Rasputin? Are, are they I think so. Yeah, they're the same because it's, it's the same memories and everything. It's just existing in a new form. So yeah. there is a point of divergence where Siddhartha goes on to learn and experience differently than Rasputin, but Rasputin gets all those memories as well. So that divergence is kind of closed as well. Um, right. So there's like a he kind of he attains whatever new knowledge the other, the mm-hmm. golem got. Once that has been absorbed when he and, comes back. Yeah. And then the Siddhartha yeah. died and the Siddhartha was brought back to life by Felspring. And so as a guardian, traditionally you're supposed to, as a guardian, have your memories wiped, but from Cade in the, uh, the treasure Island journal that we got yeah. from taken King, he talks about yeah. how the light fucks with an exo mind. And so Clovis here says it would actually it would be very difficult to actually track down and delete the full memory engrams since they are stored in so many scattered parts of the brain. Instead, we can turn a quit off associative access to those memories and let them wither away in isolation. Mm-hmm. So almost kind of like a almost kind of like a, um, a degradation, you know, mm-hmm. like a digital degradation. If you if you were to take the one particular file in your brain that is that has all of those uh latent memories whatever that he doesn't want he can he can separate them from you pull them out and then let them just die because they're no longer a part of the computer that drives your mind mm-hmm. and it's because over time they're just going to just not be used and, and just die except that's how it's supposed yep. to be except, except for the light yeah Except for the light, because in, in the case of a human, in the case of an Awoken, they have their memories wiped. But in the case of an Exo, who has memories tourniqueted off, it sounds almost like that the light restores those memories and kind of like makes it a little it bit come at a back. time. Yeah, yeah. They're fragments. They're very, they're very much fragments. Mm-hmm. And it, it's. Uh, I've always had this idea way back in destiny one that they were being almost kind of literal when they talked about ghost fragments mm-hmm. and we thought about the ghost as being built from the traveler and being a part of the traveler's light. And so if you think about all the ghosts that were spread out everywhere mm-hmm. and they're, they're having shared different experiences that are detached from the traveler, but they're very much still a part of that entity. Correct. Hmm. They're just using the they're just using the vessels that allow them to to to, to drift amongst them, mm-hmm. you know, their little shells. And <clears throat> so when we find dead ghosts and we unlock new fragments, you know, those fragments of the travelers or those ghosts' experiences, the mind 
in an exo could be very much the same idea, just on a microcosm. Mm-hmm. So there's fragments of the mind that are reconnecting once you've uh, experienced something that was close enough to the original pattern that helped you unlock it. Because like Cade is a perfect example because we know he used to use physical objects to help him remember things. Mm-hmm. And, and so he, he had said, to hide he said them. Multiple and... exos do that too, not just Cade as an outlier. He said he picked this up from other exos who've also done this. Yeah, which really good one is um, Micah mm-hmm. that we learned about now, and how he um, oh, his whole or she her whole story uh, developed. Assuming that Micah uh, Micah Abrams is the same person as Micah Ten, that is. Yeah. I mean, I I personally am in that camp that they are the same, but who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> I love I love the penguin statue. Oh my god, I can't <laughs> wait has, to get it. I can't wait to get it. I'm it so excited. As a penguin inside of it. I, and I was thinking back to the to the early story development of of uh, Micah as a kid, like Micah Abram and talking about how penguins are just, you know, thought of as uh, for kids only or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then he goes outside. Remember when he has to use the suit to go mm-hmm. outside into the snow? Could you imagine if that suit looked like that <laughs> penguin suit? So I think it did. So yeah. when we got the penguins in Beyond Light, I was like, oh, these are the penguins. This is this is it. This is the penguin. But when Bungie released the physical actual thing, penguin, you can go pre-order this now on Bungie, uh, net, whichever it is. There's an image that shows it opens up and there's another penguin inside. Yeah. There's a penguin so, inside a penguin suit. So I think that's the exact, like that was the suit that they were wearing. And they were like, see, yeah. your penguin wears the suit too. You're, yeah. You're yeah. They were trying to, they were trying to facilitate the children into yeah. this idea that, hey, it's cool to wear the penguin suit because it keeps you alive and you can go outside in the snow and play or yep. whatever. <laughs> oh my God. So cool. I can't wait to get the penguins, the penguin, but now I'm actually upset because I have the, as uh, right here, the Jade Rabbit, and I'm going to yep. have the penguin, but we still don't have Dreaming City cats. Why don't we have the cats? Uh, I know. Yeah. But back to what I was saying before. So, Go ahead. Because Exos have like tourniquet, tourniqueted mind fragments. And the light seems to fix those instead of remove those. Is Rasputin in an exo body today similar? Maybe not entirely the same, because again, there's the points of divergence, but similar more so than <sighs> any other case to Fellwinter. This is where this is where you know we spin off, right? <laughs> like, will Rasputin in an exo body be near Saladin? And maybe Salad obviously Saladin would have to not know it's Rasputin. Right. Uh, and does Saladin go, You're just like Felwinter. <laughs> He's yeah. like, Yeah, man, I'm Fel I'm Fel Summer. What's up? I'm Fel Summer. <laughs> <laughs> this is my Well, okay, my so Felwinter Felwinter uh air quotes died in the in the chamber when it was sealed off. The by, uh, replication uh, chamber, yep. He he yeah, was yeah. Felwinter was actually one of the Iron Lords that was repurposed by Siva. Yes. And for some reason they gave him flesh. Well, they were all the same model, which yeah. kind of, I mean, yeah. The funny thing about it is that they gave him flesh. Like, that's Dude. so gross. They gave him teeth. Yeah. What is wrong with Siva? Ugh. Yeah. 
the you know it's funny because like the red the the twizzler form versus just the infected form is a mm-hmm. little bit different like there's two there's two versions of siva right yeah. that we've seen there's the siva which has the more uh siva you know triangular pyramid mm-hmm. shape well things. the pyramids and the twizzler twizzlers Whatever that the this, yeah that red is vines. like yeah the red vines the this that is like siva unfinished right it's like still siva right. forming to become whereas siva in reality when fully fully programmed fully set out to to actually become something else is clean there's no there's no red vines there's no pyramids there's none of yeah that. yeah it doesn't break out into the red craziness. Hmm. Which is crazy because when you brought that up and people are so hyped right now about SIVA and doing yeah. all kinds of cool stuff, which plague, you know, go for it. Plague, uh, plague gang, <laughs> hashtag yeah. plague gang. Um, but anyway, the, it, 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 it made me go back to um, Exodus crash and Exodus black having mm-hmm. SIVA on board. And it made me think about that. Like, could they bring SIVA back in and would they use Felwinter? in a way that would bring Rasputin in, uh, into a season, you know? I mean, I, I've said it. Uh, I don't, I don't see Siva returning as an enemy. When destiny two was launching, we saw some pre release materials of launching into a strike on Nessus, going to the Exodus black ship to stop a Siva resurgence. Bungie decided not to do that. It, in my opinion, it sounds like they decided not to do that because they didn't see the lifespan of SIVA or the potential of future SIVA enemies. And so as as such, they chose not to do that. I don't think they're ever going to... Maybe they'll change their mind. I don't think they maybe, should change maybe, their mind. Maybe they could give it the glycon treatment and just have a sealed off area. An isolated SIVA? Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, that would be neat. But I... I, as I was thinking about this, because because of Plague Gang, I think the most interesting thing that they could do with Siva moving forward would be bring in Rasputin as an EXO, uh, Fell Summer, and have him <laughs> be the topic of a season where we're doing something with him, and as we empower ourselves, the new mods are like kind of like Warmind 2.0 mods. We oh, have yeah, Siva yeah, yeah, mods. Yeah. We have Siva armors mod. and weapons that are crafted by siva they are clean they don't have siva infections we get it we get an exotic weapon that is a siva weapon and then the ornament is an infected weapon with all the pyramids and red vines and it's like oh my god this is a siva gun look at this crap you know stuff like that where it'd be more interesting to have siva as a tool as it was originally intended in my opinion than to see it as an enemy again for one time sure or maybe both makes sense more or maybe, enemy. yeah, maybe there's an enemy. Yeah. You defeat the enemy. You've broken the infection, and now you get to use it as a weapon. We can have the isolated Siva event that Rasputin is like. This Siva has gone rampant. We need to stop it together. And right. then we fight the Siva in this isolated event. This is the only place Siva is is around. It's not getting an expansion. It's just getting a battlegrounds esque activity, a Glycon esque acti- activity, and then. Through that, that's how we start using SIVA weapons. When we destroy the rampancy, however, that works. You know, we'll, we'll hack. Yeah. We'll have a little spaceship inside a computer and we'll shoot. I like guns, it. You know? <laughs> Make it so. Yeah. That's, that's how <laughs> hacking works, right? Like you're, you, Right. 
There's a little so. digital version of your head that shoots lasers out of your eyes at like devil-headed viruses. <laughs> I've been a hacker all my life. I know this. Hacks. Yeah. Okay, so we're traveling down. We've, we've explored the idea of Rasputin. Yeah. Okay. And so we're getting we're getting there. We're getting there. So now we have now we're back to Clovis. And uh, so we think about the separation of exo mind rejection and how exos are different from what Rasputin is doing. Yeah. So yeah, it's important to delineate those two storylines. It is. Because you have two ideas that are very similar, but they have this one branch that makes them very different. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> moving on in the, the log book though, uh, entry 11 is about the, uh, it starts out saying Elizabeth believes we are infested. And so this is the beginning of, uh, the, the infection of yeah. the Vex. Uh, she has detected Vex microstructures in the European ice veins of altered crystal crawl towards the service, harvesting the heavy ions of the Jovian winds cultivating their construct culturing their construction and so the first thing uh clovis does is he's like so sure of himself that he's like not done anything wrong and he says the only possible vectors are my own exos so he's trying to say that the the exos are spreading the vex infection and that he should have kept them in quarantine longer after the exo conversion because if you remember exos use the alkahest which is Vex mind fluid passed through stasis, in my opinion, stasis, clarity as Clovis calls it. Could that, I mean, if, if stasis, if clarity breaks down Vex mind fluid and turns it into something else, how does that <laughs> it's become a Vex infection if it was effectively broken down and changed, right? Yeah. So how does that make the matter uh, down at a uh, microscopic level still be able to affect or not affect? Right. Hmm. So I don't. I, maybe the you go to the radiolurian fluid. You think about the Vex as an entity inside their mechanical structures that was created to support their life or so the life support system for them, and this malleable structure that they've created for themselves. But at the base level, they are very much just. Um, I don't know what that would be. I mean, it's like I know we've explored this before, but how does that? particular infection air quotes happen. I think it was, I think so. I think that the infection Clovis is looking at the infection, like it just happened. And he's saying, if this just happened, how did this just happen? I think the infection started before, even before they went to Volantis. Uh. And because of that, he he's once again blinded by his ambition. He's like, yeah. okay, so this the infection wasn't here before. It just got here now. And he's saying, what happened in this time frame? It's like, exos. Exos happened in this time frame. So it has to be my exos. Oh. And I think that's where his fault is. Because as we go on, we learn that uh, Maya Sundaresh is not Maya Sundaresh. And she's been there since the beginning. She was there since before they went to Volantis. So for that to be the case, you know. And uh, 
it's actually in this in this in this entry 11 that we learn of about uh not maya as i call her but before that <laughs> uh before that he he writes i will plan a simple cuz he's still on the the fact that it's the exo i will plan a simple extension of the memory wipes already used to fight dissociative rejection in fact i intend to create a noetic immune system in the exo mind to trigger memory wipes whenever when certain classes of informatic hazard are detected these will be explained to the psych team as a preventative measure against future disassociative disorders and so uh this is kind of coming back to exos plus light any yeah. exo, uh, any exo out there who is not a guardian has the potential to see, learn, or experience something that will trigger their mind to just reset. Everything's tourniqueted off or deleted, you know. Yeah. But there's never been a case of an exo who did this, who had this happen, that was a guardian. It seems like the light prevents it from happening. Yeah, and so, so that's, uh, that's an so that's the thing. difference between that's the difference between these exos, like Banshee forty four. Technically, yeah. <laughs> right now Banshee forty four, unless Clovis was like, you're never gonna get this. Like unless he was like trying to protect his own, uh, his own exo from it. Banshee forty four had the potential to randomly one day be on Banshee forty five. Who the hell are you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And he has a dialogue, which I love, and it goes back to Destiny 1. He said something about he remembers a female. Says, I remember her, something like that. Yeah. Must, must, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, remembering the, the Exo Stranger. And I remember back in D1, that was like a theory. that was like, does he know the Exo Stranger? And yeah. I was like, that's racist. <laughs> <laughs> Not all Exos know each other. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's uh but so moving on uh not maya is discovered and so clovis after the previous uh fight with with maya where she's like bringing out all the crap that he's done wrong he's like trying to like fire her and he says i have now considered m sunderesh herself would be an invaluable source yet i cannot locate any work done by her from before our expedition to 2082 volantis nor does elizabeth recall an m sunderesh from our expedition group then who else could she be a vex infection it is unthinkable the vex cannot generate conscious persons this is where he's wrong again because he's 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 like this he's like they can't do this and that you'll never change my opinion you know (laughs) this is impossible (laughs) but they can emulate human minds they encounter and perhaps even use them as tools infiltrators carriers and so um and we know that because yeah. of Destiny 1. We know that because of the Ishtar team, mm-hmm. who was completely just stuck in that whole simulated environment for however long. And so just to uh, to kind of get the full story of it, in Entry 12, I'm going to skip ahead. Um, in Entry 12, we have uh, Clovis being dead and waking up uh, with his body in pieces. And uh, we'll get more on that in a minute. But so Maya is there talking to him and she says something like this happened to me. I was an explorer once, one of hundreds of myself. Then I fell into a a trap, I think. And they drew me out with a hook and turned me inside out to see how I worked. And then they made billions of me, all of us shouting at each other, shouting for Kiyoma, screaming for mother. 
They were looking for the right one, and when they found me, they killed all the others. I knew I was different because the quiet made me happy. I was glad to be alone. So this is like the infinite parallels of Maya Sundaresh, and they found the one who was just as messed up as Clovis, and they were like, kill all the rest, take her, make her real. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's freaking crazy to think of. Is remember oh. in Curse of Osiris the the idea of Red Legion going into the Infinite Forest was a threat because the Red Legion can go in there and they can find some like insane technology that they they used in a parallel timeline that helped them win the Red War and they can come out with it and they be like look at this gun that destroys light you know it's like boom EMP blast no more ghosts and now they have that anyway which is also yeah. scary. But yeah. they could have had it back in Curse of Osiris, which would be even worse, in my opinion. You know, it, w- the the scariest thing to me with that particular thought process is how the scions are able to um, have that neural connection with one another throughout all of these happenings. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I'm sure it has to be within a, a proximity, of course. But to think that there is a to hypothetically think that there is a situation that this could all go back to the Scion flares mm-hmm. way back when is um, is scary <laughs> to think that all of that could just that they could find that in you know the simulated uh, forest that somehow one of those cabal could have found a key to unlock a way to bring all of that tech back to happening that was before mm-hmm. uh with and maybe give it to the scion flares that would be crazy because mm-hmm. we pulled saint 14 out of uh you know well thankfully the infinite forest is gone now it was right you know locked up poofed into an anomaly poofed away with an anomaly in its place however the hell however the hell it works <laughs> <I have no idea. laughs> And then, and then Clovis. Here's the next part. Clovis just falls apart. Oh wait, what? Yep, your next part. You're about to say. Well, I was gonna go back up. Oh, okay, go back up. <laughs> I just wanted to to give the the full explanation of what Maya was before we ended the show, so we don't leave yeah, yeah, like yeah. A, a big cliffhanger <laughs> like that because we're we're getting okay. uh, close to the end. And so um, the next bit, uh, my curse is on it. Uh, no exo interferometrics. That's a yeah. big word. But so um, I, I, I'm really glad that we got here because I, I really wanted to talk about this line. So while working on this persistent tower glitch in the exo's sleep cycle dreams, I have been poring over neural telemetry from site employees and my own exos, searching for preconscious influences on their behavior. Whispers in the dark. Uh, Many of my employees host a disgusting influence of the Vex. These patterns are resilient, hallucinogenic, and usually dull. But my exos portray a distinct and fascinating influence. There is something speaking to them, something subtle and light, fingered and tangled with every aspect of their thought, not a puppet master, nothing so direct, rather a texture, a tendency buried in the fluctuations of the alchemist. The minds of my exos are like antennae, tuned to some otherworldly frequency, perhaps the same manifold that those simpletons at first light obsessed over. 
Through my scattered exos, I can eavesdrop on the mutterings of the gods within. So, mm. do you think this is the long, slow whisper that Cade threatened Clovis with in his death letters? Yeah, I think so. Well, my 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 thought process is um, those <laughs> those long, slow whispers are also uh, a binary to the light and how you think about like why call out the first light obsessing over anything in this you know so there's something about this particular line like you said the whispers in the dark and then calling out as a writer to the first light explorers on the moon Mm -hmm. and if you think about what they encountered on the moon and you think about um light and darkness as being of the same source kind of or being in a parallel binary battle with, with each other the long slow whisper and that attunement to the light could very much come from uh almost the same origin point i would He's, think what do you mean attunement to the light so like for instance he says the mind of the exos are like antennae tuned to some otherworldly frequency mm-hmm. Well, we know in the game that uh, a lot of the things that happen are uh, are explained as songs mm-hmm. and the vibrations and attunements and this idea that you can tune into a frequency that is shared with the light or shared with the darkness. It's kind yeah. of what gives gives us our abilities and whatnot. But so what I'm saying, you, what I'm at, or rather what I'm, what I'm asking, why do you think that? the exos are attuned to the light frequency specifically. I don't think they were specifically. I think that they were, they were happening. Even even accidentally. I mean, why do you specifically think they are attuned to the light frequency? Uh, I think because of, I think because of maybe because in this particular part of this lore, when you think of a of a glitch and you think of how they can search for themselves and you think about how they try to go back to the, you know, cause it, it's all about exo mind re, uh, rejection. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the mind wanting to have a constant, uh, they want to be convinced constantly in their mind that they're living in a body, but there's a particular part of that mind that is always branching out, trying to find that missing piece. Well, maybe this is the first, idea like what happened in first light so maybe this is the first idea where they found a frequency and they found that a little bit of anomaly and it was just like dipping their toe and so, it was I mean, a part of the I, light i agree with like right. the 99 percent of what you're saying that it's that they're they're tuned they're tuned for whatever reason to the frequency of dark though that's where i i differ and i think I think it would be tuned to dark because they're created using the dark, you know, everything about them, the alcoholist, yeah, yeah, clarity or stasis, however it's called. I mean, uh, so it to me it sounds like like the pyramids, the dark, the black fleet, the um, the darkness, the winnower, whatever proper term it is, is speaking to the exos directly. It's whispering to the exos directly, and that's why it's such a uh, detrimental thing for Cade to have the knowledge of to be yeah. like. I know that all exos are inherently dark, like that they inherently (laughs) are not of the light. And 
that's exactly what Elsie says in Destiny 1. I was not forged in light. In light, you're right. So that's good. You know, that's funny because if you think of everything on a, on a, on a set of threes, now you have the exos are dark, the awoken are in the middle, and the humans are of light. Oh my god, yeah. So yeah, this kind of ties works. that up in a pretty bow, right? That really does work. Yeah. Neat. But yeah. So I'm I'm confident that the and I'm confident that until I see more information, the long slow whisper is the darkness actually communicating with the EXO. I like it. And so the darkness has been whispering to pretty much everybody that it can in any mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. It can. EXOs are easier because they were built using artifacts of darkness, and humans right. are not as easy because they are humans. They don't have this access to the frequency, and Awoken were also created through the darkness, but also through the light, and light, because of yeah. that, you know, they have... Yeah, the Awoken are very... Um, we learned through the whole uh, Awoken lore that mm. they are very much a part of both sides and can see... Like they see, they waffle between the two a whole lot. A lot of their uh, dilemma comes from the the shared knowledge of both the dark and the light, and so they're they're constantly using this balancing act in everything that they do to try to avoid what's happening, you know, in the events in Destiny. But it, it's just weird to me that if you think about how much Mara knows, mm-hmm. and even her own frames in the. Um, What is it? And and you know we had the social space and oh, the Vestian got... outpost. Thank you, Vestian okay, outpost. Okay, I wasn't sure what you were asking. I was like, what? Is, what is, <laughs> Sorry, what she for? she knows enough information to know and have the wherewithal to say, hey, we have to continuously wipe our frames here because anything oh, yeah. can happen, right? Yeah, yeah. So now that makes me think about that. Like, if you think about what we were talking about at the very beginning of all this, a frame being manipulated by an, by the darkness somehow because even if it's just a machine it, it could be accessed by the same frequency of the darkness that's crazy uh-huh. maybe that's how callus took over the frames that he took because uh-huh. he's the go. herald of the black fleet oh my god throw away your cell phones maybe that's why all the people that are finding them <laughs> <have> razors <laughs> there you go like, yeah. the darkness ain't getting me this thing this thing can't even make phone calls well, you know, we did get an ornament for Fellwinter's line. It was called Ignorance is Bliss. <laughs> Bliss blissful Ignorance. <laughs> Sorry. Huh. I, I really like I really like how, how that uh I really like this 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 discussion. Yeah. We just went there, y'all. <laughs> and uh yeah, we're roughly halfway through <laughs> this. Maybe next week we'll uh, we'll just jump right into it, just just yeah. to knock it all out. Just knock it out, and then we'll save the end for the craziness. Yeah, and then we can Sounds we can. Uh, so next week, because uh, I feel like we've reached our time here. Uh, next week we will finish this discussion. We promise. Uh, that episode will be on the fourth. What is that? April? April fourth? Yeah. Uh, same time, same place, and then the show after that, April eighteenth. We should be doing um, uh, Legacy's Lament. Yeah. Which is like <laughs> the actual end of all of this. <laughs> Goddamn. But it's a good told one. A huge story in like three separate places. 
damn, I'm I'm really I'm really happy about this uh long whisper talk. That yeah, that just feels so one. right. It really just feels so like so perfect. All right. If you want sure. to find more of us, find out uh more about us or if, uh have any questions, you can find us on Twitter at loose cannon show. It's spelled L-O-O-S-E-C-A-N-O-N-S-H-O-W. You can search Loose Cannon to find our podcast, but if you do search Loose Cannon, it is C-A-N-O-N, not C-A-N-N-O-N, like a cannonball, because we wanted to make a pun and (laughs) made people have a hard time finding us. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. So uh, that's going to be it for this week. Uh, We hope everyone who tuned in live enjoyed it. Or if you're listening live, we hope you enjoyed it too. Bye, everybody. Bye. And don't forget, uh, it's uh, at Armory Defined. Yes, at At Armory Armory Defined. Defined. For, For lower cards. Go there for lower cards. Bye, everybody.